Hello and welcome back to the Life Winners Podcast. Hope you all are doing all right. Um, there's so much that happened this past week and I'm very excited to jump into it. So I might just skip sort of an intro here and sort of jump into the things that happened this past um, this past uh, uh, week because there really is so much to discuss. So um, this past weekend, um, Watches of Switzerland in New York City in Soho hosted an exhibition of the 2023 um, GPHG nominees. And it was really great to interact with, obviously, what the industry is deeming as some of the best watches of the, uh, of the, um, of the year. And it was nice to see them all together. They had a really nice exhibit in, on both floors of the, of the uh, store where you could basically, they basically had tables where each of the watches were, each of the watch categories had all the watches laid out. And it was nice to kind of compare them um, between one another. Um, there was a, 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 a range of watches that I really liked. Um, I'll try to leave a link in the show notes um, of this podcast to the story that we made for the GPHG exhibit because I think the pictures of these watches really do them justice. I'll speak through a couple of the things that I really enjoyed. I like the XRBY um, La Montre d'Art, which had a really beautiful enamel dial that reminded me of stained uh, glass with a sapphire case that I thought was really, really beautiful. Um, I think that is probably one of the watches that caught my attention the most, and I probably spent most of my time uh, with that specific watch. There was a Zapek with a, with two balance wheels that was really beautiful, um, a really nice sort of open work dial where you could see the movement very nicely, and I think it was really well um, constructed. I also had the opportunity to see the Christopher Ward um, repeater watch. Uh, obviously, I've heard videos of that noise, but I had them. I asked them if they could actually play the repeater, and it was nice to actually hear um, hear it in person. It really is a, a different sort of experience when you are able to do that. Constantine Chaikin's Louis Erard was really cool. The Constantine Chaikin and Louis Erard uh, collaboration collaboration was really cool uh, to see in person, especially um, for its affordability. And I think it's you know very very popular these days. There was a really nice uh, this year. Tourbillons were really really big. Um, I feel like every brand, every watch that I almost saw had a tourbillon. But one of the ones that I really really loved was this uh, Louis Monet uh, tourbillon with. Uh, the dial was actually a puzzle, and I believe it was ena- the the puzzle pieces were enamel, I believe, or hand painted. Um, and um, the the image that they have on the dial is a tiger, which I thought was really beautifully done. I also had the opportunity to see the Vuitton World Time Timer. I'll get back to this watch in a, in a second, um, but it was nice to see that this was nominated. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of Kari and the work that he does. I'm so happy that he's having so much success. And, you know, I kind of learned about the about Kari Wutlein through uh, my love for MBNF and the work that Kari was doing with MBNF and Max. And so it was, I'm really glad that he's sort of getting his, his the recognition for what he's doing. Um, I also had the opportunity to try on a couple of Speak Marins, which is really great. Uh, shout out to Watch of Switzerland for allowing me to try some of them on. I have had a experiences with some of these some speak marins but um i never really spent enough time learning about the brand and 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 trying them on and and um i I think it really changed my perspective on on the brand uh, itself 
overall the event was really cool um there were some really cool um sales representatives at watch the switzerland that um i had some great conversations with they had a really nice uh, bar where you could get you could get a drink and then they had tables where all the watches were laid out and they had some of the awards too which was kind of a cool little novelty um to to, to be able to experience i really enjoyed um the exhibition it was um, it was a lot of fun and a nice way to sort of kick off the weekend. I went there on Friday, which was um, really nice, but it was showing the, the whole weekend. The next um, the next event that, that took place this weekend was uh, Watch Time. Watch Time was um, having their um, annual event where they basically host a bunch of brands to showcase some of their watches. It was at the Gotham Hall, which was really nice, and it took place on Saturday and Sunday. I didn't, I wasn't able to go on Saturday, but there were some really cool speakers. Uh, Kevin O'Leary spoke um, about watch collecting there. They also had a, a, a pretty cool panel called The Return of the Dress Watch, where they had um, the Director of Client Relations of, at Watch of Switzerland um, and uh, Chapard's um, International Sales, Hotterology uh, International Sales Manager, so they had a, a bunch of different speakers. I had the opportunity to go on Sunday, and so I was able to listen to um, the panel titled Best Alone, uh, Best Alone, Best Together. And the, the excerpt is basically, for decades, watch brands have done an amazing job when it comes to creating new pieces on their own. Throw in an often unexpected partner to the mix, and stylistic, functional, and even environmental possibilities arise that have not only watch collectors going crazy. And there was Pascal Davissois, VJ. Uh, uh, Pascal was from the FHH, which was kind of cool to have um, uh, an individual from the Federation there. It was um, a different sort of perspective on things. VJ uh, Geronimo from Oris, Carlos Rosillo from uh, Bell and Ross, Adam Krenitos from Red Bar, um, and it was moderated by the editor-in-chief of Watch Time, Roger Ruger. It was nice to hear different perspectives on this concept. I think Oris was a pretty interesting voice in the mix, especially given their amount of, the amount of work they do from an environmental perspective. And obviously, it was um, nice to hear perspectives from all of them. Um, and overall, I thought it was a, a nice panel and a nice way to sort of kick off the Saturday. Of course, I took the opportunity to go and see some of the incredible pieces that the brands had on offer. If you are new to Life on the Wrist, you probably won't know that I this, but if you are, you know, pretty familiar with me or, or Life on the Wrist, you'll know that I am a huge MBNF fan. I've been an MBNF fan for a very, very long time. Um, I, it's one of my all-time favorite brands. It was actually one of the first watches that I saw on like watch Instagram, which was quite interesting. Um, but uh, MBNF was at um, Watch Time New York. And so I stopped off there, got to try on their LM101. They had uh, a Bulldog and I believe a, I'm trying to think of what the other HM was. I want to say it was an HM3. I don't remember exactly on the on the left side, but they did have a LM Perpet the LM Perpetual on the right hand side of their sort of display. So that was really cool to see. I apologize if you hear the uh, the fire trucks going off right now. I, I really apologize. But anyway, it was nice to see them at the exhibitions, uh, chat with um, 
with uh, with Cedric, who was there, and and, and experience MBNF at another location in in, uh, in New York. As as I meant, as I did with the, um, uh, as I said with the GPHG exhibition, I'll try to leave a link in the show notes to the to the um, Instagram story, where you can see um, where you can see the some of the pictures from the Watch Time New York event. Moser was there and they had an incredible box of basically like all of their incredible pieces. So they had the the, the watch that they made out of Swiss cheese. They had the um, collaboration with MBNF with the um, with the tourbillon and the and the sort of raised um, time display. They had the the uh, Apple Watch sort of gimmick that they made. Uh, a bunch of their like absolute like I called it the box of wonders because it really was like basically every piece that you would want from from H Moser in that specific box. Another brand that I absolutely fell in love with um, over the weekend, and I mentioned it previously, was Speak Marin, and I got the opportunity to to speak with them about the brand and <clears throat> and hear about um, the pieces more. And I absolutely loved the design. the The lugs really stood out to me, obviously, because they're quite quite novel. Um, but from a complication perspective, construction, and just the people who I spoke with, it was a really great experience for me to to experience the brand, and they did a wonderful job. Um, at the show, uh, being inviting and, and 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 sharing their knowledge about the brand, which was really really cool. Another brand that did that very very well was HYT. I don't I didn't know a lot about HYT. I kind of had an idea about it, but what the brand basically is doing is creating fluid mechanical uh, watches um, and using fluids in their watches to to assist in telling time. And so, I I don't want to. Um, rush through the explanation of how HYT watches work. What I will do, though, is um, feature them in another podcast and kind of talk through how it actually works. Because, you know, from an innovation perspective, they are combining mechanical watchmaking, but they are also incorporating the idea of using fluids in, in, in telling time. And I think that's quite a novel idea um, and innovative. And it's something that I strive to kind of cover on Life on the Wrist to make sure that Innovation is at the forefront of of the things that I speak about. So there were some really cool pieces that they had featured there. The other thing that I had the opportunity to do um, was see the uh, Constantine Chaikin and Louis Erard comp- uh, collaborations. I got to try them on, which is really cool, and hear about the brand. I really liked the like the the representatives there. They just you know they. It was like a no nonsense sort of conversation, and they didn't sort of like stand on ceremony, which was quite nice. Kind of just tried to be as real as possible, so kind of refreshing, um, and and really cool to try them on. Up on the mezzanine level of of Gotham Hall was um, the some of the independents, and um, Vianney Halter was there, and um, Kari Vutalainen was there, and Kari really like blew me away. Like Kari was, you know, I've been a fan of him his for a very long time and i had the opportunity to try on some of his pieces and um, meet him and it was really cool uh to to talk to him talk to him and and see the watches i I brought some a loop so i could see them in more detail and um it's everything that i love about the brand um and so i encourage you to check out my my Instagram story because I, I, I was that person who asked to take a picture with Kari, um, so I do have a picture with him for my memories. 
Um, I had the opportunity to see one of his unique pieces that he made. Um, shout out to uh, Vanessa, um, Carr's assistant, because she. I, it, there are a lot of people who were looking to speak with Kari and um, see his pieces, and so I was, you know, trying to wait my turn. But she noticed that I was kind of like, you know, being, I guess, too respectful, <laughs> and um, she kind of helped me get in, get in, in, in to see the pieces. She also, I also spoke to her about the the fact that I saw the World Time at the Watch of Switzerland exhibition, and I thought it was incredible. And she was so kind and went over to Kari, who was actually wearing number zero of 10 of the world timer and asked him to take it off his wrist. And she had she gave me the opportunity to see it for myself. And I was able to take a picture of it on, on my wrist. And I, it's probably the highlight of the weekend for me was to be able to, to try that piece on me, Kari. And and because, I, I mean, that piece is zero of 10 Kari Vutalainen's zero of 10 world timer that's nominated for a GPHG I mean it doesn't get better than that and to to end the weekend on that sort of note um was incredible for me so a huge thank you to Kari Vutalainen to the Vutalainen brand to Vanessa um it really uh was um an incredibly uh humbling but also an incredible honor to um to be able to to enjoy that uh, to enjoy that that piece and to enjoy a brand that um, or I guess a watchmaker that I had been following for quite some time. All right, so those were sort of the events that took place. Um, there were a couple of things that in the news that I wanted to talk about. Well, really, one thing that I wanted to talk about. So um, it was announced. Um, that the only watch charity auction is being postponed. This is a pretty big um, step for uh, Christie's auction to be postponed by an entire year. There was some interesting drama that kind of took place around the charity aspect of the only watch auction. It basically followed recent developments um, where, you know, Ottawa Piguet removed themselves from being part of the auction because, um, you know, I guess the public wanted more financial transparency from the Only Watch organization. And so, you know, uh, I'm not going to sort of pass judgment on this. I think the fact that they're postponing says something about the sort of outcry from the public. There was an interesting letter that F.P. Jorn wrote in support of only watch and their and their mission but then you had Automa Pige who withdrew I know that the people have their opinions on pretty pretty stark opinions on financial transparency of only watch and you know we'll see what um what sort of comes of this over the next year there was I think I might have seen on Instagram some sort of like unaudited financials that were released I don't know if that was true or not or where the financials came from but we will have to see what ends up happening um, over the next year with this. I think, you know, I like to, I'm going to, in my mind, I'm going to say that um, this is, uh, you know, only watches doing things to, to really support muscular, this muscular dystrophy disease and to, to, to support the research behind it. And, um, it's unfortunate from a charitable aspect that it's being postponed, 
and um, I hope that this comes to some sort of resolution and, you know, the cause can continue to sort of live on. What is interesting, though, is that some of the pieces that were released are fairly monumental pieces for specific brands. I mean, the pandemonium for, from MBNF that's being contributed, I mean, that's a one-of-one one pandemonium that H. Moser and MBNF did together, and it's pretty significant. There's also a Biver uh, that's being sold there, and so these are watches that mean something to these brands, uh, some of these brands very significantly. So, you know, it does sort of change the course of what, his, you know, this is maybe a little bit over the top, but changes the course of history for some of these brands because these pieces are not going to end up being sold. So, hey, uh, I'm uh, I'm kind of just trying to throw my thoughts out there more than anything, um, but it is an interesting sort of aspect of of this entire piece of this entire story that needs to be told anyway um that is that is was was some of the significant news that sort of happened um related to only watch over the last little bit the last thing i wanted to cover was some auction news so uh monaco legends auction monaco legend auctions took place this past weekend it was um quite a cool uh well, first off, uh, I want to say a big congratulations to Monaco Legends, Le Legend Auctions for an incredible exclusive timepieces auction that, that they hosted. What was really refreshing about this auction was there were a lot of pieces, and I think they really did a great job of curating the selection. I think that's something that's difficult to do, um, but they managed to basically find something for everyone and i think they balanced the idea of having historic and significant pieces with pieces that are uh, staples to many in their collections and so i think they balanced the idea of rare historical pieces and the idea that there needs to be some approachability with with these auctions as well one of the the things that sort of the was sort of a through line through all of this was each piece they curated was of exceptional quality and in some sense of the word ext an extremely beautiful piece and i think that's you know something that's difficult to do when you're curating such a large auction um, but i think the results sort of uh, spoke to it and 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 i think they also did a great job of sort of uh, you know, gaining momentum and getting people involved and ready and excited about this auction. I, I, I'm, I know that I, I was very, very excited about this auction. So I wanted to talk through some of the pieces that I thought were um, quite cool, cool results, um, and 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 um, obviously significant in some way that sort of spoke to me. So lot twenty two, I'll put a link in the show notes to all these lots, um, so you can check it out there. Lot twenty two was a Vacheron Constant, and this is what I'm saying from an approachability perspective. It was a reference seven three seven five, which is a um, Chronometer Royale in yellow gold with a silver dial, and it's hours, minutes, seconds with a date complication at three o'clock. It's from 1968, incredible condition, sort of in this cushion form, real, uh, you know, late 60s, 70s sort of style watch. And it went for 9,100 euros. So again, it's like approachable in the grand, you know, in the relative sense of the term approachable to to many collectors this this watch and, and you can participate in this type of auction to to get this piece 
uh, condition was incredible on it. I don't see a lot of 7375s out there. You could still see hallmarks between the lugs. It really it was an exceptional piece. One of the pieces maybe on the other end of the spectrum was Lot 68, which was the uh, Rolex reference 6062 with an incredible sort of brown, like like golden brown patina dial uh, in this yellow gold, um, yellow gold watch. One of the things that I loved about this piece was the patina. And um, this watch was from 1953. Uh, and um, for me, it was like, like a time capsule of, of an incredibly beautiful piece in, in incredible condition. You can still see the hallmark on the, on the uh, bottom lug. The, the cakes is super, super strong. All its sort of age is that dial and it looks beautiful. Interesting, it was estimated to go between 200 and 400,000 euros, but it went for 266,000 euros. So interesting result in the grand scheme of things, but a, a beautiful a watch itself. What was really cool about this about this auction as well, and I wanted to say this in, in the beginning, was Monaco Legend Group, uh, Monaco Legend Auctions, did a really great job of discussing the provenance of each of these pieces. So some of the watches that I'll speak about later, it, they actually reference where they last sold, and I think that is something that needs to be spoken about a little bit more in the auction world. I think there's less, there's not enough transparency around those types of. Um, that, that type of information and you know i think it monaco legend auctions is basically what they're doing is educating the population on some of these pieces and i think that's really a great thing it's done in the art world i don't know why it's not done enough in the in watch auctions but it's done heavily in the in the, in the art world one of the highlights was definitely lot number number 96 which was a cartier it was a fresh to market um magnum tank with a with um a, a calendar moon phase with a white lacquered and black roman numerals dial with a beautiful full um pearl cabochon in the crown and an automat pigay movement this is obviously an extremely rare piece it also was fresh to market it was in a private collection for 35 years it was last sold, and again, like this, this is the type of information that they provided. They said it was sold at Antiquarms, important watches, uh, wristwatches, and clocks in Tokyo on the fifteenth of December, nineteen eighty-nine, for around one hundred and twenty thousand USD. Again, like this is it's this is the type of information that they were disclosing, and it allows people to know the provenance of these pieces. Um, it's it it. it I really, really like the way that they're going about this, and it's a testament to those who are involved. Um, super rare, beautiful uh, Pearl Cabochon, um, in really great condition. This ended up selling for 416,000 um, euros. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I mean, so much interest around that piece. One of the watches that I really loved was lot number 102, which was a very rare, um, Daytona in steel with a blue prototype dial, uh, reference 116520. It was estimated to go between 15 and 100,000 uh, euros and it went for 214,000 euros. It was from 2002 and one of the reasons why I like this watch so much is obviously the condition of this was really great. The, the came with basically everything that you would want in this watch. But I really loved the fact that 
during the auction of this piece, there were a couple people that were competing for it. And it was really funny as the bid sort of went higher and higher. Um, the the individual who the underbidder basically said, I'm done. I'm going to go shake the hand of the person who won it. And I thought that was really cool. Um, it was actually sold by um, by Bucher and it was they've confirmed with Bucher that it was a, uh, a prototype dial. They've confirmed everything sort of with them. So I don't know. I, I just thought that was a really nice sort of spirited spirited bidding um, on that piece. Um, and I really liked that. One of the pieces that was obviously the highlight for me was lot 108, which was a Patek Philippe reference 530 with a black glossy dial, yellow Breguet numbers, and leaf hands that was coming from the personal collection of John Goldberger. The 530 is an exceptionally rare piece. This piece is fe featured in John Goldberger's Patek Philippe Steel Watches uh, book. It sold... Um, th there are other 530s with Breguet numbers that have sold in the past, and they sort of are referenced in this. Um, this is obviously coming from one of the most important collectors, I think, of our age. Um, an important reference and uh, an important, I think, dial configuration. It was estimated to go between 250 and 500,000. It ended up going for €806,000. I mean, it's a testament to John Goldberger and the watch. Um, incredibly beautiful and incredibly significant um, for Patek Philippe. Another Patek Philippe that was incredibly rare and significant was... Lot number 208, it was a uh, fresh-to-market, possibly unique, and really, really well-preserved square-cased platinum center seconds uh, Patek Philippe watch that was published in um, 300 Fabulous Vintage Watches with this incredible dial, um, this incredible dial sort of um, design with Brigade numbers. Um, leaf hands talk about a 1920s beauty um, it also is incredibly rare possibly unique in platinum and sold for 754,000 euros the high estimate was 500,000 and no wonder it went for more it also came with its original box um, so uh, pretty pretty um pretty significant uh, um, to say the least There was also a um, very interesting uh, Rolex Daytona that had this mystery cross that was engraved on the back. It's a 6265 Paul Newman Daytona in steel from 1972. Uh, it was last sold in 2015 uh, by Christie's um, and sold for 269,000 Swiss francs. There was some research that was done by Periscope who sort of linked them to um, the Alpine Research Group who and they did some work with um, uh, with uh, Sir Edmund Hillary and and the expeditions um, to uh, throughout the Himalayas. And so what it actually means, you know, I think it's up for interpretation, but uh, there is some research to point this to um, the Swiss Everest pioneers um, and being part of sort of that era of watches and sold for 884,000 euros. Check out the pictures because it really is beautiful. The last watch I wanted to talk about was a reference 3835 that was retailed. It's a Rolex 3835 with a, um, it's a chronograph. 
champagne dial, um, yellow gold case, retailed by Ronchi in Milano from 1938. This watch is really striking because it has these triple step lugs, which is a nice detail to see on a Rolex. You don't typically see this type of thing on, on Rolexes on people's wrists every single day. Uh, the watch was also, again, exceptional quality, super cool, um, super cool design, so not Rolex in my opinion, um, but so Rolex at the same time, super art deco uh, in, in, in some ways, uh, and it sold for 78,000 euros, high estimate was 80,000 um, euros. I, I think the triple step lug is just like, just epic <laughs> um, to see on a, on a Rolex chronograph like this. So again, a huge congratulations to Monaco Legend Auctions. It was a great auction, beautiful pieces. As I said, throughout the whole auction, you had really high quality pieces. Um, and that was, the, that was the standard for every single one of your, your lots. And I think you did a nice job of weighing the, the uh, you know, significance of something like a 530 from, from John Goldberger and a really accessible, I, I think they sold an Omega Chronostop with a black and white dial, uh, far less than that, um, than the, uh, than John Goldberger's 530. So you allowed for the, for the auction to be accessible by all. And I think that was really phenomenal. All right, that was quite a long episode, but I'll leave a link in the links in the show notes to all the things that we discussed. I highly recommend you check out all of them while we kind of speak through them. Uh, speak through each of the topics um, so but if you didn't uh, go back and uh, check out the links because um, you really want to see these watches in in with your own eyes it's difficult to uh, to, uh, to 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 enjoy the watches without seeing them because I think that's obviously something that we're all doing when we're consuming watches with that said, um, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you want to get more content from us, you can check out the links in the show notes. We'll have our link to our website, our YouTube channel, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, we're on all social media, so you can check out uh, more content from us there. Stay tuned for this week's video. I'm very excited to jump into another one of the watches um, that we got in recently. So stay tuned for that. If you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind reading this podcast, it really does help me out. And if you are new to the Life and Nurse podcast, be sure to follow us and share this with a friend who might be interested in watches. With this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time.